You're listening to Comedy Central. June 20th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. from Imagine Dragons. He's got a new documentary about gay equality in the Mormon church. Dan Reynolds is here, everybody! All right, but first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Whoosh. Canada (laughs) has become just the second country to legalize recreational marijuana nationwide. And I'm just gonna say, it's about time. Finally, some laid-back Canadians. (laughs) You know, and right now, it just feels like Canada is rubbing it in America's face at this point, you know? Legalized weed nationwide, free healthcare, their leader is sane and hot. (laughs) Like, what's next? What's next? It's gonna turn out that curling gives you super intense orgasms? Not fair, Canada. (laughs) Not fair. Meanwhile, at the World Cup, Japan won its first match, but more importantly, they won our hearts. Japan won their first World Cup match over Colombia, two to one, but it was after the match that the Japanese fans stole the show. This is video from inside the stadium. As you can see, numerous Japanese fans stuck around there to help clean the stadium. On social media, somebody posted Twitter video of the Senegal fans cleaning up the stands after they were done with the game. What are you guys doing? Don't you know that when you win a game, you have to trash the place? (laughs) You know what we should do as New Yorkers? We should start inviting these countries to sporting events that don't even exist just so they can clean up. (laughs) That's what they should do. We should should just be like, oh, hey, uh, Senegal and Japan, there's a big game in Times Square, yeah. (laughs) And there's a game in the subway. Did you hear about the game in my kitchen after my party? Yeah, it's a big game, big game. But seriously, you guys, after you're done with that garbage, uh, maybe you can come to America and clean up the White House. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the story we've been covering all week. Sound effect. (laughs) The Trump administration policy of separating families at the border. It has rightfully outraged pretty much every decent human being and Ted Cruz. And now, (laughs) it looks like even the man who made the policy is tired of the backlash. Some breaking news. The president, President Trump, has signed the executive order that ends the practice of separating families, children from their parents. We're signing an executive order. I consider it to be a very important executive order. It's about keeping families together. Hooray! <laughs> Our hero. You know, Trump right now is like if Superman threw a meteor at the Earth and then stopped it himself. <laughs> Everyone would be like, thanks, I guess? <laughs> yeah, so on its face, it seems like President Trump has decided to back down, which, to be honest, isn't totally surprising. 
Because every day, the family separation stories have gotten worse and worse. The outrage has grown. First, we found out that the kids were being snatched from their parents at the border. Then we learned they were being kept in cages. And yesterday, we were reminded, oh yeah, they have toddlers too. The Trump administration is sending babies separated from their parents to at least three facilities in South Texas known as tender age shelters. I'm standing outside of Casa del Presidente. It is one of the three tender age shelters that the Associated Press reported on. Inside there, there are children, as they define tender age, 10 years and younger. Sweet Lord, tender age shelter. It's a hell of a fancy way to pronounce baby jail. <laughs> That's a real euphemism. It's like calling a cross burning a meatless barbecue. <laughs> and so, yesterday, people found out that the federal government was snatching children as young as eight months from their parents. And people were rightfully outraged, not just at Trump, but also at his Homeland Security Secretary and Cinderella stepsister, Kirsten Nielsen. The face of the Trump administration's controversial family separation policy, Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen, blasted by protesters overnight while trying to eat dinner at a Mexican restaurant in the nation's capital. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen is in a Mexican restaurant of all places. The goal. Shame on you. Nielsen tried to ignore the shouting before finally leaving. You know, this is the one time someone actually wanted a mariachi band to come to their table. <laughs> she was like, guys, can, can you get over here? Play, play that song, play it louder. ba ba da ba da ba ba da ba 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 da ba da ba da ba And look, I get why it's not a good look to torment Latino kids and then go and get your Taco Tuesday on, but let's be honest, there's no place that she could have gone to eat without looking bad. I mean, when you're locking kids up in cages, forget about eating at Golden Corral. Right? <laughs> Carl's Jr. just makes us wonder when he'll be reunited with Carl Sr. <laughs> and you might think, all right, fine, Hooters. You can go to Hooters, but can you, really, Kirsten, after you've ripped these babies from their mother's breasts? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm just saying, if you're in charge of an evil family-destroying policy, maybe just pop in a lean cuisine for the night. That's what you should do. <laughs> Stay in. People have been outraged all week about this story, and it didn't help when Trump's friend and part-time advisor, Corey Lewandowski, headed south of the decency border. Former Trump campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, on defense right now after appearing to mock reports of an undocumented 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome being separated from her mother. I read today about a 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome who was taken from her mother and put in a cage. I read about a, a, did you say want, want to a 10-year-old with Down syndrome being taken from her mother? What I said is you can pick anything you want up, but the bottom line is very clear. Yeah, he did just say womp, womp, which is funny because that's what he's gonna hear in the afterlife. Wait, I'm in hell? Yeah, you are, womp, womp. (laughs) And look, right now, right now, no one really knows how Trump's executive order will actually work. It has loopholes that could allow separations to continue. It says nothing about the kids who have already been taken, and the whole thing might not even be legal. Plus, when they release the text, They spelled, and this is completely true, they spelled separation wrong. (laughs) Guys, this is America, speak English! (laughs) Come on! (laughs) But I mean, at least there's some hope, there's some reason for people to be hopeful. You know, in a way, I feel like now we can breathe. People stood up, they fought, 70% of the country was against this, and now there's been some sort of a result, which, 
I guess is a relief, because this week, we weren't just horrified by seeing kids in cages. I know I wasn't the only one who was horrified with the fact that people were trying to defend this practice. And some people were shocked by the rhetoric, but the sad truth is we shouldn't be. We know from history that people have always found ways to defend just about anything. For instance, last week's big, uh, big story was when Attorney General Jeff Sessions quoted a Bible passage to justify the family separation policy, which is a crazy thing to say, but it's not original. Most folk who defended slavery were justifying it on the grounds of Christianity. From the 1830s onward, Southern politicians began to construct an argument that slavery truly was ordained by God. Yeah, that's what they used to say. Slavery was ordained by God. Make it sound like God was like, look, I don't want black people to suffer, but I gotta get blues music somehow, so uh, <laughs> you guys gotta take one for the team. <laughs> and in the last few days, people were also shocked to hear Trump and his supporters fear-mongering that a lot of these adorable little kids would one day become hardened MS-13 hombres. You know, they'd be like, they come in as kids now, but it's only a matter of time before they join a gang. They always say it as if, like, joining a gang is just part of Latino puberty. You know, be like, Mom, my voice just cracked. And it's like, well, now it's time to deal crack, yeah. <laughs> but again, but again, this is nothing new. They're just dusting off xenophobia from way back in the 1930s, when Jewish children needed to come to America to escape Nazi Germany. In 1939, a bill proposed special sanctuary for 20,000 children outside the quota. The Wagner-Rogers bill would become a litmus test for how Americans really felt about Jews. A cousin of the president, Laura Delano Roosevelt, commented, 20,000 charming children would all too soon grow into 20,000 ugly adults. Now, there's a life hack for you. If you're gonna say something atrocious, pose with as many puppies as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's what Paula Dean should have done. She would have been fine, yeah. <laughs> would have been fine, until she deep-fried one of them and ate them, but before that, fine. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got the argument that was parroted by the secretary of guacamole herself. <laughs> the argument defending the conditions that these kids have been living in, like this. Children in DHS and HHS custody are being well taken care of. We have high standards, we give them meals, we give them education, we give them medical care. There's videos, there's TVs. Wow, meals, education, what's anyone even complaining about? Except, you see, again, this is the same type of excuse that they used in the 40s to defend America's Japanese internment camps. The Army provided housing and plenty of healthful, nourishing food for all. Special emphasis was put on the health and care of these American children of Japanese descent. Here they would build schools, educate their children, reclaim the desert. They are not prisoners. They are not internees. They are merely dislocated people. Oh, yes, they're merely a dislocated people. <laughs> yes. Uh, who dislocated them again? That doesn't matter. Not important. <laughs> so, look, today's situation isn't the same, but the excuses sure sound familiar. In fact, they're as old as America itself, which, unfortunately, makes them too old to be locked up in a tender age shelter. We'll be right back. is the front man of the Grammy Award-winning band Imagine Dragons and... and the executive producer of the new documentary, Believer. Please welcome Dan Reynolds. 
Welcome. Thank you. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Last night you played Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Are you still coming off of that buzz? Yeah? Is that like one of those buzzes that just never goes away? Or do you, do you just like, yeah, on to the next one? No, I think uh, it was something I've dreamt about since I was really little. Yeah. And my mom and dad came out. And so it was, uh, was nerve-wracking, but it was also a moment that I think was a little surreal where... I thought, okay, I think we've done something, you know? I, I think you've done yeah. something. I think you've done more than something, man. Congratulations on Thank that. You. Um, and, and congratulations on this documentary that's coming out. This, this is a really insightful story that you've chosen to tell, the story of the Mormon church and how they've dealt with the LGBT community. This is, this is a really powerful story. Why did you choose to tell it? So I grew up Mormon, super conservative family, eight boys, one girl. Um, in middle school, one of the first friends I made was gay and Mormon. And I saw, it was the first time that I really felt like what I was being taught at church didn't sit right in my heart. Right. Um, and I watched it, the conflict that he had every single day, um, not just bullying at school, but also just feeling like he couldn't come out. He'd go to dances with girls. We wouldn't even talk about it because it was so... He felt so, so much shame. Um, so flash forward, <clears throat> high school, had a lot of friends, lost two to suicide. Um, went to BYU, got kicked out of BYU myself uh, for having sex with my girlfriend, which was a, a shaming experience for me. I felt right. so much, it was the first time that I really spiraled into this place of depression. That on a very small scale is what our LGBTQ youth feel every single day in Orthodox religion, which is they are told something that is beautiful, something that should be celebrated, their sexuality, which is unchangeable, is sinful, and that they should feel bad about it. And then we expect them to have healthy lives, and they don't. They have high suicide rates, they have high depression, anxiety. Um, so religious guilt is so prevalent in their lives. You look at Utah right now, it has one of the highest suicide rates in the nation, very Mormon, um, and LGBTQ youth are eight times more likely to take their life when not accepted in their home or community. So it kind of, I don't know, I just feel like enough is enough. Right. And I've been put in this position as a Mormon who is famous, and there's not many of us. It's like Donnie and Marie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I don't know, I just feel like I hope that I can at least start a conversation. I think you, I think you really have. I, uh... I think you've started more than a conversation. I think you've started a movement because, you know, not just the documentary, but Love Loud is a festival that you kicked off in Utah, a festival where you came out playing music, bringing people together. Uh, and as the name suggests, Love Loud was about being proud. And it's one of, the, one of my favorite moments in the documentary is when you come up with that name. How did you come up with it? And, and why was it so inspiring for you to use that title? You know, I think that most people that I talk to who are religious, Mormons, Catholic, whatever it is, and who are conflicted about this. They say, you know what? I love our LGBTQ youth. I love them. But there's always this little dagger behind the back of, you know, I love you, but. Right. I love you if, you know. And so it's not real love. It's an empty word. It doesn't, to our youth that I have spoken with, they say, you know what? I would rather you say, you don't love me, you don't accept me, then open this door and say, look at the bright light inside, come inside, but there's tacks all over the ground. Right. It's not healthy for you. Um, and so, Love Loud is about talking about what does it mean to truly love and accept? It means that you say to your child, you are perfect the way you are. 
And, and, and I think that and, until that happens, we're gonna continue to see the suicide rate has quadrupled in Utah over the last six years. And people say, well, it's the altitude. The altitude's not quadrupling, <laughs> you know? And so it's just, it's, it's frustrating to me and I get so fired up about it because I've spent this last year meeting with all these parents right. who have lost their children to suicide because of religious guilt. And I love, I love my faith. I love Mormons. I think Mormons are generally good people. The amount of bigots is very small, but the amount of people who just kind of turn their head and say, this doesn't affect me. That is large. A, that is a difficult decision and a conversation to have. I mean, I know I grew up in a very religious household, uh, you know, not dissimilar, but not the same as Mormonism. But it is a difficult conversation to have with yourself where you have to ask where the limits of the religion end and where your compassion begins going beyond what you've been taught. When you look at Mormonism as it stands, do you think that the church is in a position to pivot, or do you think it's a bit naive for people to say, I want to be Mormon and a member of the LGBTQ community? It's a really good question. I think, to begin with, most people from the outside would just say, Dan, this is easy. Leave Mormonism. Tell all these kids to leave Mormonism. Right. It's not that simple, because you could be putting a kid in an absolute, more at-risk situation by saying, leave your family, or leave this religion that they might believe in. It might be their whole foundation. So you can't just drag them out of the religion. Uh -huh. So until they're old enough to make that decision, and they're in a safe space to do that, if they want to, you just need to make it a better place for them. Right. The leaders aren't gonna change. I hope they change, but I can't speak for them. I don't know that the doctrine's ever gonna change, but if it never changes, then we must change the people. We must change the culture within religion so that, you know, it's like I asked a, a parent this the other day who's very conservative and Mormon. I said, I know you believe this, but let me just say this statistic. If your child comes to you and says, Mom, I am gay, in that moment, if you don't say I accept you and love you and that's beautiful, and it's wonderful, if you don't say that, they're not accepted in the home or household, they're eight times more likely to commit suicide. So with that statistic, do you, at that moment, the parent has to accept them, even if the religion's there, the Bible, all those things they believe in, but are you gonna put your child eight times more at risk because of that? And I hope the answer's no. Regardless of what your faith is, regardless of what your belief is, the data is just there, and it's overwhelming. So I think we just don't have a choice. We don't have a choice, and I will honestly say, um, this documentary is one of the most eye-opening exposés I've ever seen. It's done with heart, it's done with compassion. Thank you so much for being on the Thanks show. Thank you. Honor to have you here. Believer airs on HBO June 25th, an amazing man, Dan Reynolds, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.